Kevin and Matt uh, for episode 16. Uh, but before we roll into it, let's uh, let's do some check-ins here. Uh, Matt, how's your week been going so far? Week started out pretty solid. Now, kind of thinking about running some uh, some bobbing drills in my basement, making sure I have all my all my glow sticks my, in my book bag, and and I, I don't have a passport because I, I don't travel, and I'm regretting it. But um, on the precipice of World War Three, that's how my my week's going. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yep. Kevin, anything um, new? What's exciting with you? On top of that, I went to Five Guys today, <laughs> and <laughs> the Coke machine, the soda machine, they have um, a hands free. You can pour soda. It has the QR code. You scan the code, and you can pour the soda by pushing a button on your phone. <laughs> that was the That's most incredible awesome. thing. I did my classic, went to Diet Coke, mixed the orange and vanilla flavors together. Incredible. So, so you scan the code, you, you're and it's giving you access to each nozzle. It's not like yeah, yeah, and you then, then it, it, it brings that. up like boxes on your phone, and you just push the one that you want to have come out, and you push it on your phone, and then it comes out of the fountain. <laughs> Pretty incredible. Fucking, that seems so unnecessary, but at the same time, wicked cool. And I really, Same, I really, right. really like that. Yeah. So, and but they're not trying to police the uh, um, the poor. No, they're letting but you. What mix. I'm thinking, like if you know, if there's ever a cyber attack or something, someone's gonna control those and just go nuts. You yeah, <laughs> blowing root beer all over the floor. <laughs> yeah, it just makes the floor really sticky and inconvenient for everybody. Right. It doesn't really do anything major. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, I, you know, I, I, uh, my week's been going good. I mean, I, I mentioned this before, but I, I, I just, uh, I played a lot of Ghost of Tsushima because we talked about that a lot last time, but we'll get into that more. But other than that, I, nothing new has been happening. I live the same life that I live every day. I'm teetering on buying a 3D printer, uh, and <laughs> I've just been really trying not to pull the trigger on it just yet, but we'll get there. Um, but yeah, so I mean that leads we'll lead right into it then, right? So I think our what we're going to be talking about today is going to be the open world renaissance and what's next for the genre. Um, and Kevin, I, I I assume that you wanted to lead with some things here because uh, that was your choice and title. Yeah, well I picked this because well, you said you're going to be paying Sushima this week and Cyberpunk. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure we can compare those two. <laughs> and I I um talked last week about how I just could not get in the Zero Dawn and kind of spent an hour trashing on it. So what did I do the next day? Forbidden West came out. And it got such praise. Like, alright, I'm just going to go buy it and see how it's like. And it brought up this idea, like open world games. Because there's so many nowadays. And it's been like a, a ongoing thing for many years. And I feel after playing Forbidden West and you know, with you and Ghost of Tsushima, we're kind of in a renaissance of the, I feel like we developers have finally hit this point of they know how to make an open world game without as much tedium as in the past. Yeah. And I, I think it's interesting that you, that you mentioned that because it's like they hit a point with it. You know what I mean? Because right. I, I 
I didn't even consider that until like you you literally said that, and then I thought about like I mean the last ten years in gaming alone. Yeah, I mean you have like games like Skyrim and Oblivion that are that are beautiful open world games, and then you have a bunch of other games in the middle. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That like they try that open world mentality, and then it just gets tedious. And right. like you know, and I can't tell you what the actual difference between the two of them is. I just know I like one oh, yeah. and I don't like the other. And why? I, but now, like you said. I mean, Ghost of Tsushima, I mean, is is about a year old, I think I would say at this point, but, like, it is one of the best open world games I think I've ever played in my life, you know what I mean? And I can't, right. I can't, I can't put the game down. And even that alone, like, there's a little things we can probably get more into, um, like, the you don't need to be opening up the map every two seconds to find out where to go, because you can just turn on, I forgot what it does, I think you swipe up on the controller and it has, like, mm-hmm. the winds come up and it, it just keeps yeah. the pacing going you don't have to keep pausing and checking stuff it, it's a, it's a, it, immer- it immerses you right? right where you don't have this giant quest marker that's pointing on the screen you know what i mean i think that's a big issue with a lot of games is like a lot of open world they make these games open world and they're just like yeah but you go you go you go right here you know and here's the exact way to get to it and walk down this straight line right you like know, there's no point what's the, the point of open world if you're just gonna right yeah it's this is this is essentially a linear game set in an open setting you know mm-hmm. well you can still veer off the path i think the the a good open world game you know i i appreciate the the modern gps system because as, as much as i would yeah. you know morwind uh, the other Souls three is my favorite game of all time there is no GPS system. Yeah, it had nothing. <laughs> and it's and I, it's still my favorite game, but I could, at this point, if when I wanted to go back and play it, I would appreciate just being able to have that, you right. know, that waypoint. Um, but a good open world game, uh, a modern one that does have the GPS, is still going to kind of, on your path to that, uh, you know, next objective, convince you to veer off the path. It's going to, put things in your site, you know, your, your, your field of view that you're in passing, you're going to become curious about yep. and be like, Oh, what, what is that? Or, you know, like in, if you're playing Skyrim often, you know, you'll be walking down a road and they'll just put things in the road for you to run into basically conflict yeah. blocks and things like that. So it, it's a, it's a give and take. And I think it's, um, I think developers have, tapped into the psychology behind that sort of gameplay loop how do you let people go anywhere they want to but also give them you know a carrot between these longer objectives yep and how you know what i mean like so that's that's become the art of the open world game it hasn't it's gone from let's make it as big as possible and litter it with doing the same thing everywhere you go but you can do it as many times as you want to you know the types of open world games that i tend to appreciate which are smaller but more impactful exactly yeah and that's how Gosushima is right it's not like yeah. the biggest game it's not the biggest open world ever but what it's so full of stuff and everything so unique and significant that you find What's fantastic about ghost of Shima and I, again, I don't want to go too deep into it right now on just this one specific game. But what's fast, what's great about that is, is it is a smaller open world map, right? And by saying there, but it has a ton of stuff to do, it it, it it doesn't, it doesn't. And I think that's the beauty of it, right? There, because I'm running around right now and I'm just trying to complete the first map. Like I want to get the whole fog of war done because I hate seeing that on a map. 
Um, and there is a lot of empty land, but I don't hate that, right? I think that that's, that that's beautiful, you know, just walking through these forests and stuff like that and just being able to appreciate the scenery, you know, that somebody it, it worked very hard on seeing, you know what I mean? Um, so I don't, I, I think that there's, there's definitely a balance between like overloading the world and then also making sure you're pulling back and keeping a lot of like the, the actual natural stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean? I don't need something to see in every single quadrant. You know, I want to be able to make it feel like it's an actual world to me. Yeah, and that's what Ghost of Tsushima is. It feels the most like a natural world out of almost any open world game that I've played. It's so Ghost of Tsushima, it doesn't open the entire world to you at first. You're you're I believe you're gated off yeah. through these like sections. You're basically going from south to north the entire time um where was i going with this so the um i completely lost my train of thought <laughs> i completely lost <laughs> dude so that literally it's, happens it's, to me every day of my for life the only today you know like i'm not a news today, junkie but today i've been glued to the fucking tv because shit is really bad yeah oh yeah she was she was really bad and it's I don't have words for how bad things really are. Yep. Um, but as far as you know, Ghost of Tsushima, we're talking about the atmosphere, is gorgeous. It's beautiful to walk through. And I, I get what you're saying about it not necessarily having so much, you know, congestion. Whereas, like, um, you know, if you're, uh, in Skyrim is a, is a good, good example because I feel like most of the gaming population has at least dabbled in Skyrim. You have a certain amount of the same shit. You have, like, <laughs> burial mounds and you have like you know little quests for for word walls and then you have like you know you you, you dip into towns and ghost of tsushima really kind of keeps you it's more of like almost like a the older like a grand theft auto storyline i was really gonna yeah, bring up right. yep. grand theft auto because like it, it, it the same thing with the gatekeeping of the map you know what i mean it's the same mm-hmm. standard that grand theft auto used to do but I, it's just so much better. It's just so, it's just so, right. it's just so, I didn't even know. I didn't even know that there was a second map. I, cause I played it, like I said, the first day I played it for like 19 hours, um, you know, and then all of a sudden I, I get to the point where I'm thinking I'm beating the game and then it just says act two. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know that, you know, I, I went into this completely fucking blind and that was, that to me was I think the most impressive part of the game, because unless I had looked that up beforehand, I would have had no idea. And I think that that's what makes that such a good open world game. It, like it doesn't even te- show you that it's completely open world. It feels like a lot more sandboxy. And then it's just like, oh yeah, by the way, there's all this other stuff you can see too. You know, for sure. But Kev, tell us, uh, tell us about Hor- Horizon. Yeah. You know? So as you heard last week, I'm not just like this Horizon fanboy because the first one I I did not finish. I actually took Matt's advice and I just watched videos to finish the story because I couldn't, I try, I could not do it. I went back after the show. I was like, I can't, I can't. So I looked up the story. I watched like multiple videos to be really clear. And I did get the story. I was like, okay, that's a pretty cool, pretty cool deal. And I opened up this game and like right off the bat, uh, graphically, absolutely incredible. It looks so good on PS5. I can, it's one of the first times where I've played a game at the 30 FPS mode just because it looks so good at 4K with all the effects happening and all that. And you had a lot of screenshots of it and like, yeah. you see like the little hairs on her face. Oh like... There's so much detail in the world. I don't I don't know how they pack this all in 
and like the water effects and when you zoom in on the characters you can see like sweat and glands and it's like wow every pretty much everything about the game is just improved it's it's pretty it's a lot of the same stuff but it's all better um like the comp everything's more fluid uh the animations are better um the way they handle the world map i feel it's very similar to the ghost of shima in my tier of open world game um i think ghost of shima does some things better but this game does some things that are really nice to the genre um pretty much every objective that you set like in terms of gear or getting item you can set it as a job and it will mark where you need to go on the map so you can make up your own object you don't have to just wander and try and hunt stuff down you can find exactly where you need to go and go do that thing so you can kind of like make your own checklist which is nice but more on the graphics and just like the imagery you can just be walking through the game be like oh wow this looks like it looks like a cut you're playing a cutscene like the whole time <laughs> and so it's has so many strong moments like that now, does that impact any other aspects of the game? Like, does because like open world games are are notoriously not the, the most graphically uh, enhanced games. Right. You know what I mean? Because they fit a lot into the world. So, mm -hmm. does that impact the 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 open world nature of uh, Horizon because of the graphics? No, and I think that's like the sign of next gen. It's it's all there. It's a huge huge map. I, I'm barely scratched the surface. I didn't really get that far but I've been playing for a long time. So yeah, there's tons of stuff and there's so much I haven't seen, which I don't really want to get into, but apparently there's a ton of variety on the map and a whole bunch of different worlds. Like it's all about like the West. So you'll go to like lost, like Las Vegas areas and stuff like that throughout the game. Yeah. Just, like every little, like the music is so much better. It, it feels like it really, follows the moment there'll be like a theme when you're just riding through the fields and then you know, a battle will start that same theme will keep going but just get more intense it's it helps drive the situation my biggest issue with the first one was the combat specifically the melee combat it was just rough and it just felt janky um, i'm noticing although it is more fluid it has a lot of the same issues of just it just doesn't feel especially compared to like Ghost of Shima. That's what Ghost of Shima like the combat of Ghost of Shima is awesome. Combat in Ghost is so, yeah, so good. good. It's so good. In this game it's good. Like it, I feel like the scripted battles always seem really smooth, but the more open world battles, like you just make yourself, like you'll get caught in an animation of the enemy, and it'll you'll just be like sent across the map, and like this weird stuff like that. Um. What do you mean, like sent across the map? Yeah, you like you'll get like, caught. Like, let's, like, like, let's say you're fighting a big hippo. <laughs> you're fighting a big hippo, right? Um, and it like dives at you. You'll you won't get injured. You'll get like caught in his path and just be pushed. But like, it doesn't look right. <laughs> and then are we you'll talking like, well, yeah. Are we are we talking about like kind of like, Skyrim like, giant? Yeah, launching like, like you Bethesda into the air? kind of jankiness okay. or like Ubisoft kind of jankiness when it happens. Um. Gotcha. But it's there's a lot more elemental focus. So you can I like how it's a lot more strategic. Like you have to actually exploit the weaknesses, and when you do, it's like it you get a lot more rewarded than in the previous game. But I don't. Other than that, it's a lot of the same. But for some reason, this time it's just hooking me way more. I think it's just because it's so much more approachable than the first one, and I'm pretty sure the graphics help a lot because it just it's so nice to look at. 
it helps carry the me graphics through it. almost got me like I, oh, yeah. I was in the same boat that you were and i never I, I maybe played two hours of 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 the original horizon but mm-hmm. like when i was looking at screenshots it was like man this is an incredibly beautiful game like i said like like looking at the eyes and the and the and the, the little hairs on the on her on her face you know right like that alone was like uh, almost selling me and other and, like, games I have didn't care other games on PS5, like the Miles Morales looks incredible. Returnal looks great. Um, Ratchet and Clank looks great. All the exclusives so far have looked great. But I think just the fact that this is a big lush jungle and desert and you see that, it, it you can enhance, it makes the graphics like way more expansive than a cityscape or dark tunnels and things. I think like some of the other sure. PS5 games, yeah. Now, would you say that this is the first, like, real next-gen game, then? No, I think it's the first truly next-gen, like, open-world game. But, like, yeah. I think Returnal was also very next-gen, the way it was so fast and snappy, um, and Ratchet and Clank, too. I think there's, there's still, and, like, Halo Infinite, I think those are all pretty next, but this is, like, this is, I feel, like, what people have been wanting out of next-gen consoles something like this just like really blowing you away yeah should we preface that with you know stating you know it is available on playstation 4 and yeah so are right all of those games that you mentioned aside from returnal are available on yeah last gen consoles um so do you i haven't seen like a comparison between playstation 4 oh, it's and PlayStation huge 5. i, I watched it a, there's a digital foundry video they really do a justice and I know that people say that, you know, if it's for PS4, it's not as good as it could be, but a uh, Guerrilla Games, they really did take, make use of the PS5's power, absolutely, in that version. Like, for instance, all the cutscenes and things are in real time on the PS5, whereas PS4, they're pre recorded videos. Like, and that alone well, makes a the, huge uh, difference. Director's Cut does that as well. Oh, yeah. 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 Right. I, I'm, one of the reasons. I'm not sure. If it could have been any better, I mean, but it it looks it looks really good. There are a couple like things here and there, but it's like open world game. You know, it's it's. I feel like it's impossible at this point in the in technology to make everything a hundred percent tight in an open world game. But overall, it's part it's, of the charm. Yeah, That's it's the, the best game. It's the best looking game I've played. Yeah, like I love open world games because they're they are unpredictable in certain aspects of it and i'm not even just talking about like what you'll right. encounter in the wilds like you, like those games are massive they're like they're, you can't account for every single issue especially in the beginning you know mm-hmm. and like th- my favorite part about playing early bethesda games is the is the bugs you encounter and like and just seeing yeah. what the physics engine can do and it like it really tests the it, like i love that stuff mm-hmm. you know i think that's i think that's part of the charm of open world games what were you gonna say about uh, Ghost of Tsushima, though, Matt? Oh, uh, nothing big. It's just the uh, one of the uh, that the PlayStation Five version allows you to uh, the cutscenes to be rendered in real time, which is one of the reasons they were able to uh, add that I believe the proper Japanese soundtrack. Right, or, with, or the, with, yeah, with the lip syncing. Yeah, I don't think there was lip syncing for Japanese in the original. Right. Right. See, I don't. I know nothing about. I didn't even know that there was a difference between the director's cut and I just knew it was a PS5 upgrade. So I, I got. I obviously got that. So going to this first time, I don't know what the differences are. Um, and I didn't even. I, I'm lazy, so I didn't look it up. The first one um, looked really like for especially on PS4. It, it looked probably the best one of the best looking 
if not the best looking PS4 game. The first few hours I played in black and white mode. Oh, yeah. I thought oh, yeah. that was super co- cool, you know. I was like, "Oh man, mm-hmm. this is like an old Ronin tale," you know. I like this, and then I was like, "I I want to I want to see everything. I want to appreciate yeah. all the colors and uh, the looks environment." Too good. Looks too it good really does. All, all of the autumn, like you know, the, all the yellow, the yellow, yellow trees, you know, and the leaves floating around you, and and as you shift from up the island, you start to get like into winter. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like. I love that game. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. And in particular, like the story is so compelling. And some of the things that happen in the narrative, I've never seen in games. And, you know, but I think if you have an interest in like Japanese culture, it's going to, it's going to play to that uh, sensibility too. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It really is. It is. I, I, I don't know understand why I've slept on it for so long. Um, but it is probably one of the best games I've played in the last year. E-e-e's. I want to have a. I want to circle back after you finish it and have a conversation about a spoiler that I don't want to bring up. But like something happens at the end that is so like I've never seen anything that compelling. Hmm. You know, not even like The Last of Us to me was that compelling. And and how they break down this um, you know, one of the the final encounters in that game. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking forward to. It. I I'm I literally have gone into this game completely blind, other than what people have told me that I would like it, you know, and that, that I knew it was about samurais, and that's about it. So like, I'm just excited to see what happens next. Honestly, like, and I didn't even know I got the there was a DLC. That I got that I that I haven't Icky really Island. messed with it. Yeah, I was about to go to it, and I was like, "Wait a minute, that's a yeah. whole DLC." I gotta like, go I'm back and do that at some point. Yeah, that's uh, that's what my actually one of my next points about the Renaissance. I want to go back and play Ghost of Shima, but <laughs> there's so many big open games. Mm-hmm. Like I just mm-hmm. started Elden Ring like an hour before this episode because it it dropped at six. If you have it on PC, oh really? Yeah. Oh. So I started. I dabbled in it. Um, I streamed it a little bit earlier, um, but obviously I didn't play long enough to get any good get any oh, that's good any impression really. Besides, like okay, it's Dark Souls so far, um, so I definitely need to dive in that. But now I have that and Horizon because I'm not done with Horizon yet either. So I'm curious yeah. to see what's gonna grab me more. Am I gonna drop Horizon completely or I do double duty? We'll see what happens with those two. Does Elden yeah. Ring? I know Horizon's going to, you know, like you said, there's a lot of question marks on the map, but you can just waypoint yeah. to things. Um, does Elden Ring have that? That's one thing I, I can know. talk about. Um, there's nothing. Sure. You just start. Yeah. It's gone. That, there's no way. there's no points. Besides the, like, bonfire type things, that's the only thing you that gets marked. Yeah. That's almost what I would expect from an open-world Dark Souls game. Right. That you're just completely out there to discover, and you know nothing, and... Um, one thing I can say about the, the, the difficulty, I know it's like, for instance, I got to the first big area and right away there was this big guy on a horse. It's like, okay, I'm going to go. It was on, it was on the stream. I was like, all right, I'm going to try this guy. Let's <laughs> get destroyed. One shot. Yeah. I was watching, I was watching but you fight that guy. Then I re- it, was, it was funny because you hit him and you did like 47 damage <laughs> to him. And like you like ticked him down, maybe like, I don't know, one fiftieth of his health. And then he just turns around and just one shot you. <laughs> Um, 
But then I respond. I tried it again and died again. But then I respond. I was like, okay, I'm going to go over this way instead. And I found this new area where it's a bunch of low level like bat type creatures. Like, okay, I can handle this. So I was able to explore that way. Whereas in the past, the games, although they had the branching tunnels and things, um, it was a linear game. You had to progress forward. Whereas this, there's you can spread anywhere. So if I could sit there and bash my head against that boss all night if I wanted to. But I didn't want to, so instead I went over yeah. the other way. And you can still progress the game and uncover the map and uncover the world without beating your head against this. I'm sure there's going to be moments like that's that, awesome. but right off the bat, it's that's I appreciated that so far. You, you know, here's a point that I've, I I just thought of that I that I find interesting. Maybe maybe it's not interesting to anybody else but me. But like, because I'm thinking of Zelda now and, and my love for Zelda, right? And how I how you know me and Matt have different. Uh, opinions on Zelda because as we mentioned you didn't really like any Zeldas and then you like Breath of the Wild when I first played Breath of the Wild I hated it I hated it because it took a game franchise that I really enjoyed and then it made it open world and it was a different game and I and I and I didn't you know I didn't like it at first then I obviously went back and played it and I really enjoyed it um but I'm wondering if the same thing's going to happen to me with Elden Ring because I love the Souls games. I love the linear aspect of the Souls games. I love, you know, yeah. trying that challenge over and over and over again. I don't want to go around that challenge, you know. And I'm wondering if that's going to be the same thing to me that Breath of the Wild did in the first, where I'm like, I don't know if I if I'll felt like it in the beginning, you right. know. Based on what I've heard, um, it still has that. Like it has the yeah. legacy dungeons they're called, which are just your standard Dark Dark Souls style dungeons. And there is a great comment where if you were to take if you were to take out the open world and just have the dungeons, it would pretty much be Dark Souls Four. So they what they did is they put this open world, and then the level the dungeons are like a part of that world. Like you'll just be walking and like, oh, I guess I started the next dungeon. Like it's very connected. It's not like a loading screen to the next area or something. It's just like a part of the world, which is what I've been waiting for in an open world game. Yeah. Um, like uh, Final Fantasy 15 was like there was open world and then there was the story missions outside of the open world. And, and that, I like, and I love the open right. world aspect of that game. Oh, yeah. I I really it, but that, what I was hoping for is like kind of what Elden Ring's doing here with like everything's just there and all blended in one big piece. And Yeah, I don't know. I, I, like I said, that was it was a point that I was thinking of because like I don't like I, I, I guess my next question would be. Do you think that's what makes a good game? Is it being open world? Like, because if no. that's, uh, is that, oh, the, no, definitely not. That's Def the definitely step not. That a lot of these games yeah. are going to be taking. Um, I don't think so. I don't, th I think there's still a place for a linear experience. Absolutely. I think actually the original horizon would have benefited from being like a semi open, kind of like the last of us games were like, you're yeah, on definitely. a path but explorable because it was so story driven. And Mike, that was was happening in the first game. Like I was just wandering around and, and a story beat would happen and I would kind of get lost. Yeah. Whereas the I think Horizon definitely suffers from its lack of constraint. Yeah. Um, and the second one is, it's kind of similar like that. And it does have the same issues where you'll be just out there in the world. And all of a sudden this amazing story beat will happen, but it's kind of disconnected because you've been just been like, I don't know, swing, swimming through, the forest fighting hippos. <laughs> so, um, whereas Ghost of Shima has that nice balance, I think of it's confined enough to drive you through the story, but you can also just go off and do those awesome bamboo cutting 
challenges. Right. And I that's the other those. thing with Ghost of Tsushima. You're not, you're not venturing off to really get into much, um, much of anything other than these types of like things that level up your skills and right. and uh, discovering shrines out of just fun and curiosity of like open world expo- exploration. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like uh, a Skyrim or an Elder Scrolls game where if you can venture off of the main quest or you can venture off of all of these separate, you know, long storylines and still run into independent quests. Right. That's actually one thing I totally got forgot to mention about Forbidden West. The side quests in this game are like top tier. Good. Like they they're all interconnected to the stories and the micro the micro stories within the bigger story. So far, I haven't had like any just like random go find me some flowers kind of quests. So that's something that's greatly improved as well. Uh, going back to what Dan was asking though, I don't I don't think uh, open world necessarily. I, I don't think open world uh, makes a, a good game. You know, it doesn't, um, I think there are plenty of open world games that don't need to be. I don't think mm-hmm. Halo Infinite ever needed to be open world. I think it suffers from its open world. And I don't, I, I think it's, it was, we're sort of saturated in open world games. And they're almost becoming these, these larger than life, you know, games of service. You know, like look yep. at Genshin Impact. Is it, is it, I think Genshin Impact is a great game. It's like a single-player MMO. It's so big. Yeah. And they're adding expansions faster than I could have ever yeah. considered keeping up with. Free expansions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but at the same time, you know, I love the Elder Scrolls games. But even those could be constrained more for me because i think what i like is breaking into people's houses and stealing their like forks and knives and shit <laughs> yeah. like you know what i mean like there's something about like some, something clicked with me with morrowind i i originally picked up morrowind like off the shelf at gamestop had no idea what it was popped it in on og xbox played it for like you know four or five hours and didn't get a feel for exactly what the game was trying to like the freedom it was trying to give me because I, I you know right wasn't a pc gamer back used, then. and you weren't used to that yeah yeah this level of freedom until i was like like sleuthing around town at night realizing i could just like break into any house take whatever the hell i wanted and then go and sell it the next day to you know the guy in town and eventually i would just like kill the kill that guy and take all my shit back and just go sell it to someone else <laughs> you, you can make your own rules and 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 break rules and you know, you can even fly in those games, which you can't do in Elder Scrolls games anymore. And so there's like, a, you know, sometimes open world games can give you all the sandbox to create gameplay loops. Maybe the developers didn't necessarily intend. Mm. And then you have other open world games that are just, you know, like like Far Cry or something like that, where it's like, here's the main quest. Also liberate all these outposts and play in the sandbox but they don't really give you it's not connected in any way yeah yeah right i'm glad you brought up far cry though because i kind of forgot about it and i just recently not recently but like within like maybe six months ago i I played i picked up and beat far cry 6 and i love 
that style of game. Like, give me outposts. It's, it's kind of like comfort food. I will do that right? all day. Yeah. yeah, I will do it all day. I don't care if it's the same thing. I don't know why. I don't like repetitive tasks. But I yeah. will. I will go around and search for outposts just to wreck. And that's the same thing with Ghost of Tsushima. As soon as that oh, opened yeah. up, I went around and did them all. Right. Because I was like, I, I just want. I want to do them. You know, I love well, it's because the the combat is aspect. good. Yeah, the yeah. combat is good, especially in Ghost as it grows. Like the the tools at your disposal in Ghost of Tsushima, like when you get like you get like hand grenades or like these little like pocket bombs and when you throw them it's like the the mongolians have never seen this type of like <laughs> warfare before and they just freak the fuck out i love that i, I loved finding new ways to approach mm-hmm. you know liberating outposts and it was the same thing in far cry 5 i really like that yeah yeah and that that is i think that is the enjoyable part of it it's like okay here's the situation you know i did i did a very similar situation i did this this and this during that now i kind of want to try maybe you know utilizing you know the sneaking aspect of it more or uh, you know i want to throw some kunais at some people or yeah. you know i don't know it yeah. it's it's i i love that aspect in open world games and i think that's something that like i, I mean i don't get me wrong i love skyrim too because or like any elder scrolls or bethesda game in general because it gives you the freedom to do whatever you want to do but they don't really have that aspect of of that gameplay for me you know where it, yeah. it, you, you you can't liberate an outpost and all of a sudden well i mean i guess that's a lie, because Far Cry 4 kind of did that with the settlement system. And I really I enjoyed the settlement it. system, too. You mm-hmm. didn't play Far Cry 4? No, that was the one with the guy in, like, the purple suit. The the villain had, like, frosted tips, and he was wearing, like, a pink and purple suit. <laughs> was that 4? Oh, that is 4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pagan Min. Yeah, yeah that was yeah, his I name. Yeah. I, I responded, I don't know, I, I, when I tried Far Cry 5, I was just in the right mood for it. And it was like a wacky play on domestic terrorism in America, which I appreciated at the time. And I was just having fun with like all like the Wahoo shit. shit. Yeah. I'm sorry. Keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, that's fine. That's it. It was just like, you know, the the like muscle car races through the freaking forest and shit. Like all like, the, the stuntman shit. It was wacky. It was just, it was just so wacky. And it, it like, um, and it just resonated with me. The satire resonated. Yeah, with me. right. I, I just like I like I like the cult shit. You know, I thought that was I thought that was pretty fascinating. But I I actually realized what just happened there because I my brain is also not working at full potential today. Uh, I w- I meant Fallout Four because we were talking about Bethesda uh, games. Uh, uh, and I, what I was saying that that did have that's one of the few Bethesda games that I think had something similar to like an outpost uh, system, were because mm-hmm. you had the settlement system. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, and I really, really, really dug that too. Um, I know that's, that's, that uh, we went two different directions with that because I had a major brain fart, but I just wanted to get that out there because I, everyone hated Far Cry 4, or not, I did it Fallout again. 4. Fallout 4 yeah, because yeah. of the settlement because system. Settlement and too. I, I did spent hours yeah. in settlements. Well, I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, like my Fallout 4 is my dad's favorite game of all time. He's obsessed with it. He's been playing it for a couple of years straight. And he just builds and builds and builds and like connects all his shit. And I, you know, Bethesda Game Studios has been for years my favorite game studio, my, my favorite developers. But they've, in my eyes, just veered out of the realm of what I expect in my games with Fallout 4. Because I, you know, they leaned hard into the crafting aspect. And, you know, we're talking about like companies 
saturating the market with open world games. And prior to that, they were saturating the market with crafting elements yep. in their games. Yep. And I, you know, it's one thing if I'm playing like um, Resident Evil and I find, you know, a stock for a gun and we can combine it with this, you know, now it's a better gun. You know, like now I can have more ammo capacity. That's about the, the extent of the crafting that I want to do is like mixing a greener. With right. A it's controlled, you know, it doesn't, it's not just yeah. like you can craft anything you want. Kind I'm not, yeah. I'm yeah, not walking right. through the entire world picking up, you know, obviously I, I do like to go, like, I just, I do like to steal people's like forks and knives, but I don't want to walk through fallout stealing fucking, or like not even stealing, like, oh, here's glue, here's nails, here's, you know, all these resources, collecting all the resources so that I can build guns out of tape, you know, even though I have all these <laughs> other guns, like actual guns that are, you know, made in factories, I have to, you know, duct tape all these fucking nail gun parts together. And I, I don't want to craft a settlement. And they they really leaned hard on on that. And but you know, that's not my thing. Um, and I, I respect you know your Danny your opinion and, and my dad's opinion. Fallout is huge. Fallout is almost surpassing the Elder Scrolls in success. And that it was apparent when they decided to make Fallout seventy six instead of Elder Scrolls six. But Fallout seventy six was another thing that kind of pushed me. Or I, would, I wouldn't say pushed me away, but made me consider, you know, this studio having not, you know, they, they haven't put out an Elder Scrolls game since Skyrim 2011. Yep. What they've put out since has moved away from my oh, taste. Like, so, 76 is tons of crafting, right? It's like a crafting yeah, it's, game, right? <laughs> yeah, it's basically, it's like an online, like, squad-based, like, Fallout, you know, yeah crafting sort of like almost like a destiny you're just kind of like huh squatting up doing missions and getting resources to like build your base and that base i think there's a pvp element where your base can be like attacked oh like rust kind of yeah i guess huh see what's crazy to me and i think I, I we talked about this a little bit last time about open world games and like NPCs are a very important part, mm. I, I would say, of open world games to make the place feel like it was alive. And I never played Fallout 76, and I heard they've since fixed this, but didn't they release the game with zero NPCs? Yeah. Yep, yep. That's bananas to me. It was completely like, broken at launch. I, I just don't... I don't get the thought process behind that. Like, yeah, let's make this open world game and let's make them feel alone. Like, I get it's a nuclear apocalypse, right? I understand that's part of the story, but like, I give me somebody, you know, somebody to to to, to feel like is there and 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 is grounding this world, you know. So I, sorry, I keep going back to Forbidden West, but <laughs> you keep reminding me that's another thing Horizon Forbidden West does incredibly well. The NPCs are very lively and animated. You'll be walking through a city and there's like constant movement everywhere which helps a lot and even like that they'll be moving like things in the environment around like you'll go to the the um the what is i don't even know what it'd be called the inn i guess and there'd be like people like making brew and cooking and and i agree like it definitely helps you be in that world more yeah for sure it, it helps the immersion and it's a source of questing and yeah the i think the Probably the first year of Fallout 76, from my understanding, because I didn't play it, um, the only you would get quests from like robots. The only NPCs I think right. were like robots. 
I wonder if they're expecting like more people to play because it was supposed to be like a multi online multiplayer thing, right? Yeah, it was yeah. supposed to be. It was Maybe supposed that's to be why. to like. I think it was supposed to be an MMO. I think it was supposed yeah. to be like something to the to the same vein as like Destiny was, you know. Where I guess Destiny's not really an MMO, but it's it's pseudo, you know. It's what I mean? massive. It's, it's multiplayer. It's online. online. It's just not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shared online experience. Yeah. But Speaking I mean, beyond of... that, they um. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna mention that as far as Bethesda goes, like this open world, the experts, as far as I'm concerned, in open world, you know, they they fell off, you know, from my interest on Fallout Four, on Fallout seventy six. They released the Elder Scrolls Blades, which was a, a mobile game where mm. you're just swiping, you know, and everything looks like. Anytime they present an Elder Scrolls game, it looks like Skyrim, which was not the fashion when you know morrowind and oblivion look nothing like skyrim and then they got to skyrim and they locked into this like rusty kind of like earthy toned barbaric like you know very viking sort of yeah like elder scrolls uh, online is all like that right it's not very exactly so you know, um, you know why they do that. You know, I, I read, I was reading an article the other day about this, and it's totally true because I, I'm, I'm super guilty of this. It's because Skyrim came out in 2011, and people are still playing it more than other. Like they keep going back yeah. to it, um, mm. and it, and I think that Bethesda thinks it's like, oh well, this is, this is it, right? It's, it's, it's what we did. Like, and no, it's the modding community that is bringing all these people back. You know right. what I mean? They keep changing the game, the game, they keep adding interesting things to it. Like every time I play Skyrim now, I have like 200 something mods loaded into it. It's not Skyrim anymore. You know yeah. what I'm So like they think, I, I think a bit, and this is what that article was saying. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll try and source it later if I can find out uh, where it was from, but it was mostly just saying like, you know, Bethesda thinks that, what they've done is what's kept Skyrim longevity when the only thing that they've done that's kept the longevity is they opened up the door for modders to be able to do what they do and mm. completely make the game a new experience every time you play it. Yeah. And it's come at the um, detriment of um, getting a new game. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. We did see a landscape. Yeah. So yeah. Who knows well, how now far away. Got, now, so, you know, wondering what's on the horizon pun intended uh for open world games we've got starfield and i'm like having heart palpitations wondering <laughs> if if i'm going to connect with starfield or if starfield and you know from what i've seen and, and the few things i've heard it looks like it's going to lean more towards fallout a fallout yeah. type experience I, than like elder scrolls in space i think i saw a, a tweet or something if they're calling it space punk okay as the aesthetic we'll see yeah, yeah. <laughs> just because you we'll have blue hair doesn't mean you're yeah. you know a punk. space punk <laughs> a bunch of astronauts with mohawks sticking through their helmets yeah. <laughs> you know I, I mean that's been development hell for how many years now yeah well, I don't know if it's been necessarily development hell, but they definitely announced it too soon. They announced it yeah. a year. So they had released Fallout 76. This was when Bethesda was doing their own press conferences, which they probably won't do anymore now that um, Microsoft purchased them, I'm assuming. Um, at least I don't think they did at the last E3, and they were already no. purchased by then. Yeah. Um, so a year after Fallout 76 came out, they 
hit the stage and started apologizing for the first fucked up year of Fallout 76. And they had to give us something. So they're like, that's when we got the Elder Scrolls uh, 6 reveal, which was just like, you know, a, a sweep logo. over like, yeah, like some desert plane uh, that said Elder, Elder Scrolls 6, like some like JPEG. And we got a Star War or a Starfield um like like teaser trailer. Yeah. And that was like 4 years ago. That was I think 2017 or something like that. It's maybe mm-hmm. even longer. And So I I don't know if it's been in development hell or if it's it's just that they announced it too soon, so we assumed that these things are in development hell because Fallout, Fallout 4 was announced like 4 months before it. Fallout 4 was announced during a Bethesda E3 conference uh, presentation in June and released in November of that year. Same year. So that's kind of what we came to expect of of Bethesda. And then they announced Starfield, and we don't get it for four or five years. Mm -hmm. And they announced Elder Scrolls 6, and we don't get it for like 10. That's one thing... um... In terms of announcing things too early, um, I feel like if you wait too long, the hype of the game goes away because it's if you start developing it that long ago, by the time it comes out, it'll feel like out of date. I feel like that's what happened with Kingdom Hearts 3. Even that's a totally different topic, but that, that game was in development forever. When it finally came out, we're like, oh, this is it. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely Whereas, right. Like, if it it's... came out when it was supposed to come out years ago, it probably would have been way more popular. Yeah, it, it contributes to two problems. One, and I, I I totally agree, and I actually anticipate this happening with Breath of the Wild 2. Right. I think Breath of the Wild 2 is going to come out, and people are going to be like, oh, why does it look like not that great? Why does it run it's just not the that same great? Game. It's just the same game again, yeah. It's the same game, same engine. They started working on it the day that all, the first one was finished, and it's it should have been released probably two uh, two years ago. Right. And we keep getting further down the, the line of like... So the other issue that it causes when you announce your game too early and people get very excited about it, people start making up shit about what this mm-hmm. game was supposed to be about, mm-hmm. you know, or things that you can do in the game similar to, to cyberpunk. Right. Or no man's sky is a perfect example where people just start fabricating these, these ideas of everything you can do. I think in this the developer game. also fabricated as well. Well, the, yeah, yeah. in that case, they got into a lot of trouble for that too. Yeah. Didn't they? He pretty much just blatantly lied. But yeah, I totally, yeah, but... totally get it. So with Starfield, you have like people referring to it, you know, people, you know, IGN or, you know, Game Info. I want to pick on IGN. The, these, the biggest outlets reporting on, on games media will be like, oh, it's Skyrim in space. Yep. Yep. It's, it's Fallout in space. And it's like, is it though? Right. What if they, what have they shown us that has, you know, really they've shown us almost nothing mm-hmm. about this game. We're just assuming that because Bethesda Game Studios makes it, we can only conflate this idea that it must be their other games in this new environment. Right. Which mm-hmm. I think is, you know, detrimental to the, to this upcoming franchise. Right. And that's why you shouldn't ex- announce your games. So too soon. Yeah, I mean, I, Cyberpunk was, uh, did that 
like didn't cyberpunk when did cyberpunk announce I cyberpunk don't even know was how long out? ago it was it was so that was ago. like i feel like that was like 10 years yeah, you know of, yeah. of us being pumped for this well, you know Witcher and then, 3 was so good too well and yeah. it, I, I feel like in the beginning of it but in the by the end that game was like w- renowned like by everyone as and a masterpiece yeah, yeah. You know, I don't even think it's the game that that, that makes Witcher so good because it's yeah. admittedly kind of clunky. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> the story is so good, and yeah. that's not yeah. CD Projekt Red. We talked about this last time because uh, I've read all the, the Witcher books. You know, I've watched, obviously, the series. I watched the Polish series called The Hexer before uh, the Netflix uh. ex- existed um, because that's how much I like the story. Yeah, I yeah, I, I don't know why I did it. I it was it's real bad. It's <laughs> the, the hexer's not great. Um but like I think when we we mentioned it last time like The Witcher's this you know, it's massive, beautiful story, beautiful story, but the gameplay is kind of clunky and I think like Cyberpunk going into this was like, "Oh man, they love us, you know. Well, we're going to do great at this and then it just didn't right. hold up to the standards, you know." I think yeah. I was I know I was expecting just The Witcher 3 in a cyberpunk setting and that's not what it was at all so i like sure. almost realized that almost instantly it was like okay not for me like that's the fact that yeah. it was first person right off the bat i uh i downloaded it yeah. i uh so we talked about this last time like you know what our plans were and then immediately after i got off uh i went on steam and it was on sale for half off I was like well that's convenient because i have a 30 dollar gift card sitting here so i bought it installed it got to the character screen Chose my character with a big dick, and then I didn't even play the storyline because yeah. I bought Ghost of Tsushima like yep. a, an hour later, and then that's all I did this weekend. Right, and after playing a game like Ghost of Tsushima, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to go to a game like Cyberpunk that just doesn't live up to the same quality, in my opinion. Right. That... My character does have a big dick, though. Right, that's pretty cool. You know, right. quality dick, quality dick. That's how I choose my games from now on. Honestly, so I, I wish you could make it bigger, but. <laughs> like monstrosities like to the floor dude the modern community will probably it, take care of that probably exists. i'm sure you already yeah. can yeah I'll, I'll 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 lurk on i'll go on the the, the the nexus after this and i'll look at mods dude i that's i do in a lot of my free time i look at i look at mods um that's what i do in a lot of my free time i look at big dicks i look at big dicks <laughs> a lot i'm part of the big dick community yeah so i never played yeah. the witcher 3 and i you know i felt like you know it's weird because it the three on the end just instantly gives me like franchise fatigue yeah even though mm-hmm. I, maybe i don't need to uh have ever played the the first two um but i i saw cyberpunk as my chance to jump in with cd project red right and i so i wasn't somebody who like saw the trailer for cyberpunk 10 years ago i saw it just a couple of years before launch and let the hype you know Get it's uh, I I I I FOMO'd basically like I ha- I should guys buy this game at launch because everyone's gonna get it. it's the biggest shit and, and reviews started dropping and they were good yeah they were and then people got their hands yep. on the game and it was it was a different story so uh you know I try to be re- you know I'm reluctant to pre-order games I don't like to do it ever but I just pre-ordered uh, Elden Ring today because of this for the same you know the same hype train and yep. but. I'm thinking it's going to, you know, be the real deal this time mm-hmm. because I, again, like the Game Informer coverage, I was reading Game Informer's review and they're like, it's a 10, but you know, yeah. what even is a 10? 
what do you, what even is a 10 we we have to give it a 10 because there's none better than a 10 it's like they want they're they're insinuating this is not it's it's objectively one of the best games of all time because it's it currently has like a 97 on metacritic um yeah but they're saying like this may be the best game of all time and i'm seeing that from multiple outlets and that's hard to like these guys you know with respect to some, you know, you know, reviewers who are worth the words that they put down. Right. All like the big, all like the biggest sites, all, no one has bombed it. Um, the one thing I was worried about with that, because of that praise that I had just spent, because I was so hyped this week, I was like watching all these videos and reviews. Like, I'm worried I'm not, it's not going to be able to live up to that when I play it now, because it's been like put on such a high, I feel I'm going to be extra critical when I'm playing it. Like, there's also the point well, like where Ghost, Ghost of Shima, I think, got like eights, seventh and eights, on average. It, but it ended up, I book. ended up loving, like yeah. loving that game. You know, I, I, I just want to go, I want to go back to something really quick because it, it, it's it, the, the, the fear of missing out. We're bringing up Elden Ring and just Souls games in general. Because I was having this conversation with my, with my friend last night, um, and he doesn't like souls games because he's not good at them and the fear of missing out thing like yes a game informer might rate this game a 10 but if he is not good enough to play the game he'll get locked it's the only storytelling that you get stuck behind boss fights you know what i mean yeah he won't you like people and that's that just goes all in general right there's there's a lot of people out there that maybe aren't you know hardcore gamers that that have the time to, to struggle at the same boss over and over and over again so like yeah, Game Informer's rating this a 10, right? But you have the the regular Joes who have, you know, work full-time jobs or, you yeah. know, have a disability and, and can't play the game to an ex- its extent. What does a 10 really right. actually mean at that point, and you like, know? Um, it's a 10 to Souls players. Because, like, for oh, instance, yeah. I've played... When, you, when most people got Skyrim, I got into Dark Souls at the same time. So I've been playing every single game, and each iteration adds on to previous mechanics. So by this point... I, I'm versed in the mechanic. I know what to do. I know what to expect already. But for someone to just jump in, like there's years and years of. Right. And isn't that a problem upgrades. when we're talking about like, this is potentially the best game of all time, you know, or something right. like that. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Totally. Because there, there's a huge portion of the gaming community. That's not going to be able to enjoy it. Like we will, you know? Yeah. But um, I think there's like when it's that, that like a conversation of art, is it, is there object in art and you know, is there a place for objectivity? Like, can it can something be objectively really good, or is it just all completely subjective? It doesn't really matter at all. It's all just no. opinion. I think there is an object. There are things that are just objectively good, especially in the gaming medium. Yeah, like I, just good so, design. You know, whether you can play it, whether it's too hard or not. Exactly. So, um, Dark Souls or Demon Souls was the first uh, Souls game that I ever like connected with mm-hmm. and it was because it's the launch title i decided to get with my playstation 5 so i just took a chance on it um i had dabbled in dark souls remaster for like two hours and i dabbled in bloodborne for like 20 minutes and noped out of both of them i just didn't <laughs> i didn't i didn't know how to really even approach it with demon souls i kind of forced myself to uh experience the gameplay loop and once i understood that it's about basically checkpoints yep you know yep. It, it's about especially that one because it's like the most basic form of their formula because it yeah. is the first one of that style 
it's you know it's about exploration and not knowing what's be around the next corner um which i love it's about challenge but also you know it's it's not as unforgiving and maybe it's just you know demon souls but you know people really put these games on a pedestal as like they're so they're impossible they're so hard but when you you know you can you can grind mm -hmm. you can you know make yourself strong you can min max you can choose i use magic yep be a sorcerer the there you go yeah. yeah and um you know so that made it more approachable and then i really kind of fell in love with the 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 level design and the way that you will you know you'll go the hard way through the first time and then you'll you know you'll might you might beat like a like a, a mini boss or something like that and that will unlock a gate that will let you just cut around that and navigating back to certain levels so i could grind and get um yeah uh drops from the enemies that i could use to kind of buff me for the for other sections and shit like that it was right. they just got my mind working so um it's it's almost like a, like an like an NES game, you know, revitalized into a new shell. It's yeah. like it's like what you imagined in the eighties games were underneath the eight bit mm -hmm. design. And so I think it absolutely can be objectified as a great game. Yeah, you know, I haven't played Elden Ring yet, but souls games in general can be objectified as as great games because they have the gameplay loop really isn't any different than some of the games we've been playing for 30 years it's almost a perfected formula it's almost like a condensed version of so many of the games game types we've experienced and it's like you know elden ring could possibly be like the culmination of so many generations right. of video games and their best qualities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah and, and don't get me wrong, because I'm I'm beyond excited for this because I I'm, I've been a Souls player for years and I love them all. Totally. It's just one of those things that I thought was interesting, like where yeah. it, it, they may not be the most impossible games in the world, but like. You play if you guys played Dark Souls one, you know Ornstein and Small. I died at that boss probably thirty something times before I finally beat it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's just because I'm like I need to beat this. You know what I mean? In my head, I need I need to mm -hmm. do this. This is a challenge. I like the challenge, but some people would give up there. You know, I did. Like, oh, this is <laughs> that's where I yeah. stopped. <laughs> Kevin, you know, and that's and that and, and that's kind of what I was saying. Like, and I, I appreciate everything that you that you mentioned there, and I actually thought that was a really beautiful way of saying like this is like what was underneath. What he's trying to say game. is get good. <laughs> well, it gave me the patience. Like getting good, right? Gave me the patience to even um, on some of the harder Ghost of Tsushima battles, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like just duels are wild. Oh yeah, yeah so like, much harder than everything else. Awesome, right? And and uh, like. I don't know. I, I got it revitalized a part of my gaming that was kind of, mm. yeah, sometimes I'm just looking for the easy way out. Sometimes I'm looking for a game. I, I play a lot of halos and, and these like easy flow state games where you, even, even like doom eternal, you know, was hard, but at the end of the day, you're just running and gunning and doing the thing that's always done, yep. but pacing yourself, dodging and blocking and rolling and you know, all that just really kind of, 
the amount of times you're going to die, it just makes it not a, not a big deal. You're right. expecting to die. And if you get stuck, look it up. These games are hard. Everybody respects that they're hard. Yeah. If you, if you look up how to be you know, a boss in, in a Souls game, so is everybody else. Just because you can look it up, how to beat it, doesn't mean you're going to beat it. Yeah. Um, I want to drive home one point because I think we're on to something really awesome here. So the reason I started this, I, I want to start a podcast about games is because I think games are much more than just games. They are like actually works of art and they're, they have cultural significance. And I think this conversation, I'm a musician, compares a lot to music. Um, there's music that's hard to reach if you don't really understand music but it's for musicians it's like the culmination like this is like master level musicianship that not everyone will understand because they aren't literate of it and the same thing with games like dark souls you have to really be literate of gaming to be able to understand some of these games at all and we've come so much farther than Pong, which a lot of people still think that's all games are. It's just a fun little toy you play with. Like, there's so much culture and history and development and art that has gone into these games over the years. And I think that's why I like about From Software games. They're like the perfect example of that. It's it's like, here's what, if you really understand, if you really want to see like how far games can be pushed, you can go to their games. Or something like Ghost of Tsushima, and you can see how powerful they are. Yeah. But this is it, it, this is the conversation that I was having with a, a few of my buddies last night, and I, I, one of them mentioned this, and I don't know where they read they read it from, so I, I'm not trying to like steal a source or anything like right. that. But it was like someone had said that video games are in an interesting point because they are the only storytelling me- t- storytelling medium that. If you're not good enough, you can't experience the rest of the story. Like if you read a book or if you listen to music, you know what I mean. It's not like there's there's something that's stopping you in that book, unless it's a you know crappy book. But that's not there's nothing physically stopping you from reading that book. It's you who stops reading right. it. If there's nothing physically stopping you from listening to that song well, or watching that movie, except for you, only because physical um, that can stop you in the game only because it's like reading is a, a very push thing in our culture like kids need to be forced to read from a young age whereas like everyone has those basic skills whereas not everyone is forced to play games because they think they're just games whereas i want <laughs> this is i'm kind of getting out there but what if like gaming was like a media it's media literacy is what it is like what if that was more pr- prominent in people's lives where then they could yeah. be able to enjoy more games like Elden Ring or Monster Hunter or something. But like I, you, know, you always find a way to bring up Monster <laughs> Hunter. Like I, I, I was trying to think of how you were going to do it this time. And there it was right there. Um, but I don't know. I, it's just, it's just a fascinating thought to me. You know what yeah. I mean? That like, obviously like I've been playing games for years and I'm not going to say I'm like a great video gamer. Cause I'm, I think I'm very, very subpar at a lot of the stuff that right. I do, but like I can play the hell out of dark souls and I can play the hell out of souls like games. Yeah. It's just, I know that there are people that, that, that can't. And especially with Elden ring, which is, this is what I'm just talking about with the fear of missing out thing, because everybody is talking about how good the story is going to be. And then you're going to have some people out there that just, they can't, they can't do it. They can't play the story. Yeah. They can't experience right. that art that exists 
because there is a hard lock for them in the game, mm-hmm. right? Like that the only place that this story exists, like you can't read this story, you can't you can't watch this this movie. The only place True. that this particular story exists is in this game and there are things that are going to be holding them back from actually being able to enjoy it. Right. And it's just, I I just think that, that that's a very fascinating way of looking at it, you know. Um I I keep this going back to like art and like books. There's certain, you know, there's certain books that are incredible books like there's some stuff like by david foster wallace that like people are just not going to read they can't because they just don't have the skills to get through some of these harder books but they're still considered like excellent pieces of literature you know i just then i think it takes courage for developers and artists to put out things like that that you need to trust that people are gonna and it's not for everybody you know and that's okay whereas yeah, like okay. otherwise you get you know uh what's a good example of a game that just like it's just it's just a cash cow game um i'm trying to find something that's not going to be too insulting <laughs> it's tough it's tough I, but the, like, I'll, I'll just say like basic like i can make fun of ubisoft they're they're massive like an ubisoft game you know it's just it's usually like not very offensive it just kind of covers all bases make sure every it's approachable for everybody like, like Riders Republic, Riders Republic, great example. Yeah, it's just like you know, just jump in, fly around in some skis, and that's it. I I think uh, Souls games, you know, are one of the games you're not gonna see an exception with um, difficulty. Right, they're they're meant to be difficulty. The part of the story, part of the story, I, I couldn't tell you what the story in Demon Souls was. The story was it was hard. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So like. You know, but with like Persona Five, you know, there's, and you know, there are accessibility features. You know, beyond just difficulty, you can lower the difficulty to story mode, and basically not have to grind and barely have to know what you're doing to get through what are otherwise difficult boss fights. Like the 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 last boss in Persona Five was hard for oh, me. Oh yeah. To be. Oh yeah. He was tough. What? Which last boss are we talking? The original last boss? Or are we talking the DLC last boss? Or I'm um, sorry, Royals last boss? Both. They're both original. pretty hard. I yeah. didn't play Royal. Okay, yeah, the Holy Grail was a wild fight, yeah. but the the DLC boss might have been one of the hardest bosses Ooh, yeah. in a turn based RPG in a long um, time. I was I got real angry at that one, but go on, sorry. But in a game like Persona Five, where there's half the game is story, you're bonding and you're just interacting with you know your best friends that they've chosen to, you know, give people who can't beat the game and out in a way to progress the story, you know, as holding their hand as much as possible so they can finish. Right. But that, I mean, that brings up an interesting point. Should that be in like a game like Elden Ring, right? Which I mean, and like you mentioned, like you know, well, Demon Souls didn't have a story. It was just hard. That was the story. Like Elden Ring is is supposed to have this beautiful story that George R. R. Martin was was a was a part of. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm sure there's plenty of people who are out there who love his work that just want to play this game just for that. So should there be? A difficulty setting for games like this should there i mean for heavy story games um, for from software no because i think it's in- integral to their design choices and what they yeah. want their game to be but i do think obviously there's plenty of games that do have all those different difficulty sliders and things yeah so, but i think in this case um it's almost like respectful to the whole gaming form that that's their choice and i think that's what 
they how they want to design the game and I don't think they should bend to people who are asking for that because they can just go play other games. And I I agree. I think it was a good a good choice. Yeah. I, I just I just think these are interesting. points. Yeah, no, totally. And that's actually you know? I I want to start wrapping this up, but um I think this is an awesome conversation. We kind of got deep. Um, for our listeners, I'd love to hear your thoughts about what we were just talking about. Do you think games should have these like something like? Elden Ring should have a difficulty slider. Do you think games are more than just Pong? Um, email us at thesavesphere at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts if you're if you're hearing this episode and you're intrigued by our conversation. I, I don't think that games are more than Pong. Yeah. They're they're actually, they're actually, Pong is the only game. Yep. Pong for life. And actually, um, um, so, uh, Baywatch is the only TV show. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the only music sure. is Nickelback. Nickelback, and the only movie Fox is the only news channel. Yep, and the only movie is Armageddon. So you can take that. Armageddon. <laughs> all right. So what are we all playing this week? I'm personally, I'm gonna be probably after this juggling Forbidden West and Elden Ring. I'll see which one I play more. And I am um, I'm actually just about to finish Chrono Trigger, so I'll finish that up too. I'll talk about that next week. I don't I want to play Elden Ring. I really do. Like I was intending on buying Elden Ring this weekend, but I don't want to buy it if I'm just gonna be so in in, in depth in Ghost of Tsushima. It's just yeah. Oh, yeah, so yeah. good. I can't get over it. how good it is. It's it's this is like I said, this is might be the best game I've played all year. Like yeah. I'm feeling the same I, way about Horizon right now. I don't want to get pulled away from that because I am really invested in it at this point. Yeah. But I, Elden Ring, I don't see it as the same type of game, but I don't want to open up a whole other can of worms. Horizon, well, I'm playing for the story. Elden Ring, I'm playing for the, the fun mechanical challenge and exploring the world yeah. just freely. So it's not as, it's actually less stressful because <laughs> I, I just, I don't, I'm not trying to accomplish anything when I play that. I'm just going. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I pre-ordered Elden Ring. I don't think it'll be here tomorrow. Uh, I'll probably have it like sometime next week. Right. And uh, right now I'm playing. I, I started playing uh, Halo Infinite more less casually. I'm trying to get better at it. Cool. So I'm like trying to do challenges and like stream it. Uh, I'm still trying to figure, finish Record of Lotus War, Deedlet in uh, Wonder Labyrinth, which is like this really endearing Castlevania basically you know when uh you ever play one of those games for like for like like a pc game that came in a cereal box mm-hmm. and, yeah, dude. and it's like and it's uh, like good Captain crunch yeah it was like something yeah. crunch berry explosion or something like that man i played that <laughs> i played the shit out of that game but go on or like like when um you could buy the, the burger king made like three games for xbox and like sneak a king of them brother were, yeah yeah <laughs> like almost like a cart racer they were you know so that's what this feels like where like the storyline, I don't know what the hell's going on and I haven't seen the anime. It's, it's in my like Funimation queue and, but the, the gameplay is good and there's like some smart mechanics to this. So I'm really loving it. And I'm like six hours in and I'm just on the, on the cusp of having to like, I should probably grind a little bit. So I'll do that. Cool. And, um, March 1st, the sequel to Lone Far Sales is coming out on Xbox game pass called Lone Far Shores or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, really excited about that because it the original was like three hours long and i'm assuming this will be around that 
same uh, length, so I'll probably just try to stream the whole thing. And like, I'm like trying to play everything. I might even try yeah. this. I don't, I don't know how to play Yu-Gi-Oh. And that new Yu-Gi-Oh game came out, and I'm like, oh, I might just pop on that and Yu-Gi-Oh that's, game. That's actually that's next week, well. next week's episode. I kind of want to talk about my most, our most anticipated because the games are coming out like crazy now. So yeah, I think it'd be fun to talk about what's coming. Yeah. There's a lot it's of cool stuff that aren't giant games either that are really yeah. good and interesting. It's really hard for me because like I I am such a sporadic gamer when me it too. comes down to like what I'm playing because I like I said I'm playing Ghost of Tsushima which is a year old because like there was just so much shit that came out within the last year that I just didn't have the time to play because I was playing too much other stuff you know what I mean so now yeah. I'm just getting caught up and now there's more games coming out yep. and I'm gonna get even further behind and I, then I'm still playing like games like Mega Man X because I love that game and I'm stuck on the last boss and you want to talk about hard games let's talk about the original Mega Man games. I'm right. losing my I'm so bad at those. That's another franchise that I, I I'm very nostalgic for its iconography, but I, I suck mm-hmm. at all those games. Dude, I'm on the last boss, and I like I can't. I was streaming it the other day, and like I blew through all the bosses. Fine, I got all the way up to the end, and now I'm stuck on the last boss, and I was stuck on him for like three hours before I was like, I have to go. I have to close this stream, <laughs> and I have to walk away from my computer before I lose my mind. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I, I like I it, it, like I said, it was, it's hard for me to anticipate stuff because I just feel like it's just gonna it's just gonna stress me out, you know. Totally. Yeah, that's why I like uh, streaming services. My my whole plan was to, to have both next gen consoles subscribe to both their streaming platforms and try to save money by not buying anything. And also, um, but you know, I, I fumbled too hard on Elden Ring. <laughs> I just couldn't help it. And um, PlayStation VR 2 just got announced. Well, it didn't just get announced. They just showed what it looks like. Oh, yeah. And I know so I'm probably going to pre-order it. And I'm just like, God, can't stream yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, you can. You can. I used to stream PlayStation I mean, you VR, can't stream the headset <laughs> to your head. You can. But, uh, you just yeah. pop it into the capture right. card. Um, Oh, but I just bought a new capture card. I think that's I think that's how the service. But I think this is the point of these services. Like it, it seems like, yeah, I'll just just describe this, but it's never going to happen. There's always going to be these legendary games that aren't on that service that keep right. you buying games because I don't think it, yeah. the industry can function on just subscription at this point. It, it really can't. But I I know that I can hold off on uh, totally. Uh, yeah, like I'm like, for instance, Ali Ali World. You see that game? That's like a indie game where you're like side-scrolling skateboarding platformer yeah totally game pass game it'll be there i'm just not gonna yes. buy it because i know it'll be there so stuff like Death that yeah yeah right ghostware tokyo will eventually come to right 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 game pass and and that type of shit and starfield's coming in november and there's just so much but mm-hmm. i i feel like if it's on a streaming service then i don't consider it part of my backlog it's when i pay full price for it at launch That's a good point and finish it, then i feel like it's in my backlog totally. and it stresses me out yep yeah but i, uh... I think Dan should finish Ghost of Tsushima. Oh yeah, before, yeah. Before oh, yeah. you you can do it. It's it's actually it's not that long of a game, even if you well, get like everything. Said, literally the first night that I play it. So like I, I told I said that I told you guys a story before stream, but I'm gonna, talk, I'm gonna talk about it again. Like I literally bought it right. My girlfriend was here, and I was like, I'm I'm buying Ghost of Tsushima right now. She goes, that was random. I was like, yep, just doing it. I don't know. It's in my head. I'm gonna do it. Right, bought it. Uh, she had left, played it for a couple hours. I was like, wow, that was really good. That's a really good game. Mm-hmm. Went to go to bed, couldn't sleep. Right. It was a couple hours later. My cats are being dicks or whatever. And it was like four o'clock. And I was like, I have to work in the morning. Like I, I have to work from home, too. So I'm like, I just I give up on sleeping. Right. 
So I just played Ghost of Tsushima. I woke up, just played that, right? And I played it for 19 hours the first day that I got the game. Like, I was like, this is incredible. Like, I was Epic. completely fucking sucked into it. And yeah, I don't yeah. think I'm going to be able to put this down until I'm done with it. Um, so you can... Um, so, speaking of... It, is, it does function like a, like a Grand Theft Auto game. You can avoid the... Uh, side missions of like the, like the main quest type side missions for like those main characters that are w with you along the way. Yeah, you can you can wrap those up after you finish the game. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I eventually decided to, to avoid some. Yeah. yeah, I I like them. I I like doing it. Like they I are. said, I'm I I I got to act two. Oh, yesterday I got to Act 2, and I haven't really done anything in Act 2. I went and got the armor. I got the family armor. I literally just rode my horse all the way up to get the family armor as soon as they announced that. Yeah. I was like, because that looks sick. Yeah. Um, and then I went back down to the first zone, and now I'm just literally clearing out all the Fog of War stuff and collecting all... I'm like going literally left to right across the map, clearing out all the Fog of War stuff that I missed, grabbing all the side quests, grabbing everything that I'm doing. Um, and I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Like, I don't know why I like, I don't normally do that in, in, in open world games. I don't normally clear out the entire fog of war, but th there's something about this that just, it mm -hmm. makes me want to do it. You it's know? So good. It's so good. And it's, it consistently gets better to the very end. Oh yeah. There's no, there's no lull. It's so one of the only two games I bothered getting a platinum trophy for. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I might, I might try. I might try to do it for this one because, like, the only other game that I ever, I, I, I think the only game that I ever platinumed, besides Lego Pirates of the Caribbean, which is one of my claims to fame. <laughs> um, <laughs> I fucking love the Lego games, but uh, it was was Persona Five because I, I played wow. the absolute hell out of that game, and I, you know, I kept playing New Game Plus, and I just for fun. It wasn't even to to platinum it. I just enjoy that game so much that I was like, I'm gonna put another 150 hours into this because I right. want to, you know? But I think Ghost of Tsushima is one of those games. I know we're running long, but did you uh, play Strikers? Did you finish Strikers? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I gave up like 26 hours in. Really? Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't get into it either. After oh. so long, I just could not stand the combat. Yeah. Oh, I But I want to finish the storyline, and I, I don't know what to do. That's cool. Do you guys, I'm, I mean, do you guys like Dynasty Warrior style games? Not really. I have, there was this one. I don't. I, I. We keep adding on topics, but there was this one on GameCube called Mystic Heroes, and it was like a Dynasty Warriors light, and I played it so much of it I couldn't stop. But it was the only one I could ever get into. Mystic Heroes on GameCube. Shout out to that game. Freaking great. <laughs> if, it, yeah. if it's listening. No, I. I really enjoyed Strikers. I'm sorry. I. I, I went on a tangent before. That's probably why we're running late here. That's all good. All good. Um. So yeah, that's our yeah. show. Before we before we cut, anyone have any plugs? We pl we plug in. What are we plug in? I mean, as always, I'll plug my Twitch, uh, which is uh, Twitch. Uh, my my Twitch is Dan underscore D A M A N Dan Demand. Uh, I will be struggling to beat uh, 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 Mega Man X this weekend, probably, and then hopefully starting Mega Man X two, but probably not. I will right. I will be miserable. Yeah, and I've been streaming a lot. I actually just bought a new capture card because I got I got the bug to stream. I found out you can stream right through Xbox by just plugging in a USB uh, webcam. Oh, sweet. And so that's how cool. I've been getting by. But actually, I was streaming Halo Infinite for like two hours straight, and my Xbox just shut off. So I'm not oh. sure if it like overheated, but I would assume it shouldn't hmm. be because it's brand new. 
or, or it's effective. I don't know. But um, you can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash trouble underscore board. That's B-O-R-E-D, like boredom, which is also, Trouble Board is also the name of my novel that I just uh, re- released back in August, which you can buy on Amazon and, and barnesandnoble.com and, and my website, matthewryanlowry.com, L-O-W-E-R-Y. And follow me on Instagram. Cool. And TikTok, 10K. What's up? What's up? I like how you casually were like we were talking like when we were first starting to get to know each other like you're like oh yeah some of your TikTok links didn't even mention that you were semi TikTok famous I was like I'm like I'm like yeah dude I got like 200 followers on TikTok and I look at Matt's I'm like oh shit I, <laughs> I bragged about that like <laughs> because it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because I got I have I have three viral videos yeah so like I, I have one that has like 1.8 million views and then I have a couple that have like 250 thousand 300 thousand. And it still doesn't matter because it's become monetized like most other social medias where um, if you want things seen, you have to pay now. Yep. Yeah. So like if I put something out now, it does not get the views that it once did. Yep. Yeah. Can't win them all. What are your plugs? Uh, I don't really have any direct plugs just yet. I'm, I'm, I want to start quote-unquote creating more content for myself um over the summer because i i'm pretty busy during school year um so i don't really have a lot of time else a lot of mental energy also, i have time i don't have mental energy to focus on many other things so i plan on that in so far but i'll probably be putzing around your guys' streams so maybe i'll be there <laughs> um you can follow me on instagram though if you want what's the what's the what's the handle all right, I forgot for audio listeners, it's disrupting underscore class. Um, one other thing I, 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 I'm going to plug because I forgot about it. Uh, I'm going to be in a D&D campaign soon that we're going to be streaming. Oh, uh, sick. And you'll be able to see it from, from my, my Twitch as well. We're using Tabletop Simulator, which is the entire like table and map and all the minis and everything like that is... Uh, created into Tabletop Simulator, and our DM has like spent hours building this out. Cool. Uh, and I can play that in VR, so you might see me play Whoa. Uh, play D and D in VR, which might be neat. Um, be cool. What's that? that uh, so we're starting session zero next week, but we're not going to stream that one because we want to get a feel for like how the momentum's going to go, and then I should be streaming the following week after that. Uh, but it will nice. be every Wednesday going forward. All right. Hell yeah. Cool. Check that out. And like always. Go to Patreon, become a patron at the Safe Sphere. You can hear us on Spotify, Apple, or podcasting apps, probably all of them. Uh, we stream on Thursdays, and then we record and post it on Sundays. And find us all over Twitter, Instagram, Safe Sphere. And that's our show. We'll see you next week. Later. Yeah. If there Very even well. is a next week. Nah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Thank you.